Uh, Eddie Chavez Calderon here with Uri Litzedek. I'm so excited to be here with a friend of ours, Dee Sane from Mosaic Visions, who is just a phenomenal leader, uh, leading incredible work in the East Coast with our friends in D.C. and all across the nation. Make sure you visit them at www.mosaicvisions.org. Make sure to say hi and tell them Uri Litzedek sent you. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Dee, who is a strong advocate for diversity and inclusion, equality, and women's empowerment. Dee is a writer, a social justice activist, and promotes diversity and inclusion within the Jewish space. Dee is a proud alumni of Virginia Polytech Institute and the State University and holds a bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary studies and is an executive master of uh, business administration candidate focus on global business and leadership governance. Uh, wow, I could keep going on and on and about uh, <laughs> these achievements because it's it's just an, an incredible amount of uh, of phenomenal achievements that sh uh, she's completed. But I want to move towards more a personal one where sharing that D has has just really been breaking grounds and, and having intercommunal uh, conversations in the Jewish spaces around racial justice and activism to wholeheartedly collect people uh, from all across the nation, really walking and, and thriving to create pathways for us to really dig in deep and look at our own uh, implicit biases that I think is just phenomenal. So Dee, thank you so much for coming here. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about what Mosaic Visions is and what it does. And then we can move into our, our conversation around Tikkun Olam and community, uh, community activism and inclusion within the Jewish uh, space. Well, thank you so much, Eddie, for having me. Um, hello, friends. Um, yes. So, you know, uh, Mosaic Visions is an organization, uh, humanitarian focused and um, social justice oriented, focusing on amplifying Jews of color in our presence. I started it out in 2020 with panels, discussions and continuations of that with storytelling, my background a um, long time ago maybe not too long ago, um, was in the music industry. I'm a music industry veteran doing communications and PR. And I did a little bit of journalism. So I took that skill set, moved it over to Mosaic Visions, where it was super needed um, in terms of the fight for equality and equity in the Jewish community, but also the community at large. Um, so our mission you can see the the website in the, the chat box. And he also said it, mosaicvisions.org. Um, we, our vision is basically a socially unjust and tolerant society where Jews of color are respected, valued, and effective leaders in their respective communities. Um, but our mission is to strive to create a more tolerant, just society through arts, education, and coalition building that promote equity for communities of color, but always positioning Jews of color in the conversation. Um, we're not just an organization, but we are a, a movement, a movement and um, moving towards um, and driving the force of that phrase that we all know, tikkun olam. We, you know, we believe that we, if we can proactively build those coalitions of people who are actively making the the world a better place, um, we'll we'll be better friends. We'll have more trust. And when the next 
God forbid, crisis happens, we are always, we're already arm in arm and hand in hand. Thank you so much, Dee. And I, I love the work that y'all are, are promoting. And I love the, the fact that you talked about arts. Can you tell us a little bit more how arts is implicated in, in really moving the conversation into justice, into talking about uh, racial tension and stuff? Yes, you know, um, my background, and I was a vice president of uh, Washington, D.C., where we're headquartered, on the Asian American Pacific Islander Film Festival. Um, we, um, and, and that focus, in, in addition to being in the music industry, learning that music and art is a powerful vehicle to really bring about deep conversation and have people just really go into um, a reflective place, but also reflective in a beautiful way. Um, you know, when you're listening to music, you kind of like zone out a bit and you kind of go into this, I feel meditative state. Sometimes you're thinking it kind of brings back memories, it's nostalgic, or if you're looking at a performing arts um, or spoken word, um, it kind of like takes you out of this, it, it inhibits maybe some intense emotions where it can bring up emotions, but it's not the emotions that could normally happen when you're in a panel discussion, you know, just talking. Um, I did the first ever Jews of Color Jewish Diaspora Art Festival during COVID last year called the Spirit of Humanity. Um, and um, while we were at pause uh, during COVID, it was really, um, you know, we were all previewing social media, like on steroids, right? I mean, that, what, what else did we have to do um, other than just really connect with loved ones and just be on social media? And I'd seen so much great work from Jews of Color. Um, and while I was amplifying Jews of Color, I saw tons of artists that had just produced amazing work, whether it was online, whether I'd seen them on a website, whether I'd heard them on a podcast. And I wanted to take a break from having intense conversations of inclusion and belonging and anti-racist and, and white supremacy to celebrate our community, um, to uplift those because the Jews of color that I had spoken to or those that identify as Jews of color were like, um, yeah, you know, I had a really bad experience being involved, you know, in the mainstream Jewish community while going into a festival. Um, of course, this is when we were in person. Um, I've, you know, had a million other questions about if I'm really Jewish. So I just took to social media and I have my little online store. So I wanted to fix that and provide a space for those that did not feel welcome to amplify their voices. And so the spirit of humanity, I started working on that in 2021 and last year, 2022 was the first ever. You could also see that on the website. If you go, there should be a tab spirit of humanity. If not, you can go to mosaicvisions.com, not.org. And you'll see last year's performances, who was involved. We had um, Baruch Hashem, 21 Jews of color from all over the world. It started as a little vision. I planted a seed here in DC and it was going to be domestic and it turned out to be an international 
phenomenon. And, and it, it was historic in its sense, because it was something that had never happened before. And we're having the second year in person this year, God willing, the latest, it will be January, 2024. I love that. I love that. So D, what do you say to people who, um, they, they look at racial justice and they, within the commun- Jewish community, they say, well, you know, we walked with um, Martin Luther King and racial justice is like, it's salt. It's, it's done. You know, like we, we did our thing. Um, why, why should we still talk about it right now? Great question. Um, and I do, I think we're past that now, right? I feel like, I hope we're past that. The work is never done right? Um, We are just picking up from a legacy of Martin Luther King and um, Rabbi Heschel. Um, I just did a sold out event called Black and Jewish. It was a BET film screening with Lacey DeGaldo Schwartz and Dr. Berger. And we spoke about um, this particular uh, question that you pose. Um, the work is never done. We're just continuing a legacy for the future generation of racial equity. The experiences that we've had, we're working on fixing that. So the next generation, which would be our grandchildren, our children will grow up in an environment and a society and a Jewish community that's just a little bit more belonging and inclusive. We will be working on this till the day we die. You know, and I think that that is a little bit of what we say Hashem's work. Um, The greats before us, the sages before us were working on what we're living in right now. So that's why, you know, when people ask that about racial justice, I mean, this is just a continuum of work that is necessary to do. Uh, We are born and we arrived into a system, unfortunately, of white supremacy that will never be, it was founded on that. It will never be undone, but it takes us individually and individually to find people like you, Eddie, to collectively join and collaborate to do this work. It takes everyone on this call and whoever's listening to do whatever you can do in your respective communities to learn and unlearn racial biases um, and and to to lead by example. Thank you so much. And uh, following along those tracks, with the rise of hate coming up, we've uh, seen an historic amount of anti-Semitism coming out, attacks on the Black community, attacks on pretty much all of our communities, um, pretty violent attacks now happening. How important is communal work that you do, the coalition building, to attack a lot of these attacks coming t- into our communities? Um, I think that, I think I said a little bit of it, Um, in terms of the mission of Mosaic Visions. Um, Coalition building and becoming friends with other communities other than your own, I think are essential with the uptick um, of anti-Semitism, with the constant of anti-Blackness that is pervasive in our community, that we establish these relationships to, like I said, continue the legacies of those that fought for us in the civil rights movement, those that continue to fight for us, the work that had been laid out, um, and I call COVID a period of reckoning for the soul, where everyone was on pause, and there was a tremendous amount 
of work that was done in our community virtually, you know, and it was so amazing. Um, being able to connect with, with you, Eddie, with, with other people that I would never have been in touch with had it not just been for a Zoom. Uh, you know, if I was in my respective locality, I probably wouldn't connect with most people. I didn't know that there were so many um, Jews that looked like me that had my identity, but um, not so much that, but just even being able to share to the world our experiences and using that platform. Um, I think it's super essential just by when you're building a relationship um, with coalition building and you are going towards a common goal of equity or equality or social justice, um, you're building trust. You don't just have a discussion. And that's what I've been seeing a lot. You have discussions, then everyone goes around, you know, go, goes back to business. And then it's like until the next tragedy, what Mosaic Vision says and what I do and what I think coalition building is super important is that when you're doing coalition building, it should be a constant everyday thing. It should be um, not a one-off discussion. It'd be a series of discussions with an action piece connected with it, an education piece connected where you're doing something together with another community. And with that, you're building trust, you're building a relationship. So then what happens when the next tragedy happens? God forbid. It's because we're already friends that I am going to amplify and be there for you. You will not hear my silence because I understand your pain just a little bit more, just a little bit more because I call you a friend now. That's why it's important. Oof, I got chills. Just, just thinking about, oh, that, that was such a, a, an amazing explanation, D. And, and to continue alongside that role, um, I'm really thinking about opportunities when folks are like, let's bring in black voices or let's bring, bring in JOCs. How do you maneuver being part of these spaces without being tokenized? That's so interesting. You know, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that question. Tokenism. Tokenism. Can we talk about the definition of tokenism first? Do we know that? Do you know that offhand? Does anyone know? Yeah, I, I can get it. The practice of making only per functionary or symbolic effort to do a particular thing, especially by recruiting a small number of people from an un, underrepresented group in order to give the appearance of uh, sexual slash racial equality within the workforce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, leaning on one person, right? Just one person, but not just leaning on that person, using the person, using the person over and over and over and not engaging the rest of the community, not asking what they're, because people have different opinions. Eddie, you may have a different opinion than I may have on a subject matter. Um, another Black Jew may have a completely different, um, you know, approach to it. Um, how do you avoid tokenism is just to really do what I said go out there in the community and make other relationships. Um, I do want to say this in terms of tokenism. There are, we just had, um, there are a few, you know, JOC leaders um, that are, in, are recognizable. I think 
you can be a leader in your own right, in your own respective community, and you don't have to be invited to become a leader, right? Like, I don't need to tell you you're a leader. But I know that in this work, even myself, um, if you don't take a leadership stance, sometimes people don't know that you really want to get involved. So I would say to those, um, to anyone, go and ask, you know, hey, would you like to be more involved in sharing your voice on this topic um, instead of leaning on just one? Or if you are in touch with one JOC leader. And what I try to do even on my panels is reach out, mix it up a little bit. I don't want to just lean on uh, one set of voices for information. Um, and that's the, the beauty of storytelling. Everyone has their individual stories. So I would say tokenism, um, to me, I try to like not really do tokenism, but I also understand that there's a few of us that are leading the conversations right now. So it could appear as tokenism. I don't think it necessarily is in some ways, but I know that tokenism is just leaning on one person, making that person in a poster child for events. But make sure that if you are going to make someone a face of something, that they're actually doing something to change and move the pendulum. Like they're doing the work. And they're bringing others to do the work as well. It's it's okay to start with one, right? One leader, but make sure that they're involving other leaders as well. Does that answer the question a little bit more? Yeah. Thank you. Um, and 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 to truly walk into the work that you're doing, um, how does your Judaism translate to this? How does that give you a grounding in the work that you're doing? my Judaism is completely tied with everything that I've done with, with Mosaic Visions. Um, uh, I will tell you a little story that I don't tell people often. Um, when I, I was studying underneath a Breslov rabbi, and as we all have moments in being a human on this earth, you, we have this, maybe I wouldn't say a crisis with existentialism, but you want to do something for the greater good, but you're just like, what is it that I can do? And we were going through this during tourist studies. And I just set it out to the rabbi I was studying with. And I said, I want to do something better. I want to use my gift. And that phrase, may it go from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> it did just that. Um, I was afforded the opportunity to become a delegate uh, with B'nai B'rith to go to Japan to work on relationships between the Jewish community and building a bridge. And it's called the Kakahashi program. And that was the first time I was ever seen as a Japanese. That's what they called me. And then for me, I'm also Black. And I just was, it was so surreal to me, Eddie, in terms of how fast Hashem moved <laughs> when I really spoke my intention. Um, and in that place within B'nai B'rith, I was the um, young leader um, chair 
and um, met so many amazing young professionals that looked just like me. And a matter of fact, they were attracted to me as I was recruiting for our DC chapter because they would say, where do I sign up? Asking me permission to go to Shabbat. And I would be confused a little bit. I'm like, of course you can come to Shabbat. But I had to take a step back of why they were asking and I would start to get their stories. And here we go with storytelling again. Um, I was adopted and they would be multiracial. My parents are ostracized from the community. I was really never invited. But you have just like invited me to Shabbat or invited me to be, um, you know, a part of a legacy organization my parents were involved in. So they were super excited. I would have those that were, um, well, I said adopted, multiracial father or patrilineal Jews, right? Mother didn't convert. Or I had ones that mother did convert, still ostracized. So that really moved me into this space of having these conversations and doing something more about belonging and inclusion and equality within our Jewish community. And hence, therefore, Mosaic Visions became a nonprofit. So Mosaic is what, what is a mosaic? It is a beautiful piece of artwork with fragments of pieces like you and me. And I, and I say this to you, Eddie, because we were in the same <laughs> we were in the same um, leadership conference and we're all fragments with our own story, but collectively we make up this big, beautiful piece of art. Visions is plural because it's not just my vision as we speak about tokenism and having just one person saying something. It is all of our visions to become one tolerant society and that leads us into tikkun olam. So that very much tikkun olam is a practice within the culture of mosaic visions. It's a practice of the things that I do within my coalition building. It is not just a word. It is a practice in the development of programs. It is a practice when I go out and I'm meeting folks to involve or invite them. It is a practice. And that's what I, it's very much. And I, and I always say that I'm co-creating with Hisham every step of the way. Wow, thank you. Um, and, and, and to continue that conversation, because I know a lot of us in this work, um, specifically being in faith-based organizing, faith-based coalition building, we have a specific piece of Torah that like inspires us. What is a specific piece of Torah that really inspires you in this work? Oh, <laughs> I came... I came unprepared because there's so many. <laughs> um, let's see. You share that piece and I'll get back to you. How about that? Because I have to pull my, I have a notes where I have Torah, if that's okay. Definitely. I think I, I love uh, this one teaching of Rabbi Akiva, who really uh, starts to talk about how um, they ask him what's like the biggest um Jewish ethics, you know, like what is what is one of the biggest things that you can you can name? And a lot of the people were like thinking he was going to say Shabbat, he was going to say, you know, wrapping to fill in, but he actually talked about the power of consistency. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that it, consistency is such an important topic today, specifically addressing um, on Juneteenth. Uh, and he talked about how the power of a water droplet can split open a rock, and so shall Torah split open our hearts. But that only happens through consistent work. And when we are are truly looking at racial justice work, it can't just be that all of us say, well, I'm going to slap a BLM sticker on my, on my car <laughs> and suddenly racial justice is solved. Or that I'm going to vote for a candidate that supports racial justice and all of a sudden racial justice is solved. You know, I think that there needs to be a consistent inward look at addressing our own implicit biases in a format that challenges us every single day and exercises that muscle uh, continuously. Just as we bring in Shabbat every Friday, we should look inward and address our own implicit biases every single time we have the opportunity to do so and continue to cultivate it and cultivate relationships. I loved uh, D, what you talked about of, of cultivating relationships, because I think ultimately that truly brings us closer together because I can't hate somebody I absolutely love, um, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who I'm consistently working with, somebody who um, I'm spending time with them. So when they hurt, I hurt. Uh, so and I think that's why it's so important to be consistent with our racial justice work, where it isn't just a one um, once and thing, you know even when like we see folks calling themselves allies and you know slapping a pride sticker on their car or attending pride once a year and then all of a sudden we forget the horrific attacks on the trans community we forget um the consistent bills that are attacking women um and and folks who are able to um um birth children it, it just, to me, is just wild to not be consistent about our struggle and our continuous advocacy for social justice. And I think that little piece of, of Torah from Rev Akiva is, is really um, something that's powerful for me. That is, by the way, I just got chills from that. And thank you for sharing that. You have to send me, you have to send me that whole thing. I can't wait to that gotcha. was very deep, and this is the conversations that I love having is deep. I'm 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 just gonna say, you know, I have this down here, and I'm gonna refer to the Kabbalist Isaac Luria. Do you know who that is? I mean, you know, he talked about the term tikkun, and and I did study a little bit of Kabbalah with um the Breslov rabbi, and we really got into some sort of more metaphysical meanings and and tikkun just that in itself is universal and it means exactly what you're saying harnessed in practical action and i love the reference that you made about the water droplet um and that even in this fight for racial equality um and and what you do with with um refugees and discriminations against immigrants. Am I correct with that? Mm. Okay. Um, Women's rights. We can go on and on and on. Xenophobia, um, anti-Semitism. He, Isaac Luria, you know, he broke down this sort of profound and complex way in which Tikkun was really about 
Hashem's attempt of creation, but our creation is his creation was perfect. It was the world that was not the world in which we are fighting this fight together. And that's where tycoon is, right? It is replaced this world of tycoon with, with repair. We've heard that being the repair, but we, us, every one of us are the vessels on this earth that are supposed to correct. I don't know if you all have heard the term clipot, right? Like we all have clipots where there are shells that we cor- correct. That's our correction individually. And then, so our correction, when we correct our clipot, then goes into the world because um, we all have lessons to learn. And so collectively, our lesson is to how do we then repair and become these lights and these vessels in this broken world? Um, how do you how do you do that? You study Torah and you practice mitzvot. We, we're not all going to get the mitzvot right, but if these were the laws that Hashem gave Moshe for us for structure and order. And the term tikkun olam really didn't become a term of social justice until the 19th century, by the way. Um, and then it became a term that we use in the progressive Jewish movements. But going back to just looking at the tikkun, we are the light in this vessel of practical action of trying to correct a chaotic world. How are we trying to do that? Through restoration of a tolerant society that we can all, and when I say all, I mean all, can coexist in a tolerant society. Whatever that means for your mission and your vision and what your work speaks to. That's what I want you all to take away from that. Ooh. We're, we're just going off and, and uh, sharing some powerful things here. Thank you so much. And in this work, we know that things aren't smooth. What are some continuous challenges that you, you see and um, areas that you think are, are needing a lot of growth right now? Ooh. <laughs> um, I think we have definitely made some amazing strides. I'm going to start out with the positive. Amazing strides to what allyship is. We're still learning. We're all learning how to work together. Um, Some of the challenges that I see is that this term woke, you know, someone can be so woke that they can also be the problem still that you can tell me more about my situation because you've done X amount of anti-racist training and DEI training. I am so glad that that has happened, but still I believe sometimes allies and other people cannot be beyond reproach. You can still fall within this trap of white saviorism and you can still fall in this trap of white supremacy. We all can. We we were born into this system. Um, so I think some of those challenges um, with, with the term woke, right, can be so woke that you're not listening anymore because that person or persons may feel like they know they know it all. We are never knowing it all, but we do need to listen to our leaders more. Um, and our leaders need to also 
make sure that we're still listening. And I think this is a, a lesson that and a balance that needs to happen, that we're, we're all listening to each other and we're all being able to have conversations about uncomfortable truths. Conversations in this work is not always kumbaya and it won't be kumbaya. And I said this also in the panel, uncomfortable truths is where the growth is. That is the opportunity for growth. That is where change happens. And if we're not saying the truth, we are not getting closer to justice. Wow. I, I really love the the part of having uncomfortable conversations because oftentimes I think even within um, social justice spaces, we tend to fall back on just talking to each other. Um, mm -hmm. When do we start to look at formulating spaces to really look at um, having conversations with folks that don't necessarily agree with us uh, and pushing so that we can have those uncomfortable conversations. And I believe that that's truly where growth comes from, is from those uncomfortable conversations, because we're able to then say like, why, like to sit with that, like, why are you feeling uncomfortable? Why are are you not okay? You know, like what is bothering you at this point? What is making you like feel uneasy? What is hurting your stomach? What is giving you nerves? Because I, I truly think that like hate is something that isn't natural to us. It isn't mm -hmm. something that is, is so natural that it, it feels right, you know, because I feel like love is, you know, laughing and, and feeling love is such a beautiful, natural component of who we are. It's so easy. Um, and yet, we have to continuously strive to be hateful. We have to work at it, um, continuously building up. Now you don't have to work for love, but it's a lot harder to continuously hate and, and not see the repercussions of it on your body, on your, your spirituality mm -hmm. and, and, and so forth. So the, I, uh, I, I want to like really move into the conversation of what do you recommend communities can start doing? Because that's the common thing, right? We oftentimes hear communities say, well, well, what can we start doing now to address racial justice? And how can we start to bring tikkun olam into our communities addressing racial justice or social justice? What can we do immediately? What do you say to those folks? Um, I say start a project, start an initiative, start a committee. Get It doesn't have to be a big committee. It could be you. It started with me, right? It started with you, Eddie. And then other people joined the fight. And it's that, it's that, um, what is that saying? If you build it, they will come. It mm -hmm. really will. And, and you will attract the right people most times. And sometimes you won't. You'll have the naysayers. But you know what? That's okay because I wanted everyone to join me. And then I realized after doing this work, I don't know if I want everyone that, to join me. I want the right people to join me. I want the right people that have the same uh, vision as me, not to approach it the same, but like and like means more power. We are more powerful in numbers. Um, in terms of doing what is good for the community, whatever that is for your community, whatever that is for your heart, where does it lead you to go? What is an injustice that you see that you want to work on? Um, I implore you to discover that. I implore you to start somewhere. I implore you to do a little bit of digging in your community to see who's already doing it, whether you do your own initiative or you join into a community. 
Um, and like I said, it, it's all about learning. I still learn every day. I teach, but I'm also a student. And that I think that's that's another thing. And when you're leading this, don't ever think that you can't be a student and still learn because we're all learning in this every single day that you're doing it. Um, for the community, you know, that says that they want to do something, look around. There's so many things that are being done. It's about finding where you belong, where your voice shines. And if you go into a community and you feel like your voice is not shining, go somewhere else until it does. Do not give up. Do not give up. That's my advice. Um, I know it seems very simplistic because it's not easy work. And there's a ton of gatekeeping sometimes. There's a ton of, um, I like to say we're sometimes crabs in a barrel <laughs> fighting. But if you can keep, as you said, the love going, that's just the lightness in your body, right? If you start to, your body always tells you where you're supposed to be. I believe that that is a gift that Hashem has given us, right? Your body, if it's heavy, don't mistake the heaviness as the heaviness of the work. If it's heavy from the community that you're in, find the community that gives you water, that that pours into you and that you can grow and that you can pour into that community too. It's a reciprocal transaction. It's a reciprocal relationship. If you seem like you're giving too much and you're not being given back to, you have to move on. You have to know. So, I mean, that's my greatest challenge and advice. Thank you so much, Dee. Uh, we we have some folks who sent us a question. Um, this question is from our social media and it says, how do you keep going, Dee? I know that there's lots of things that can bring you down and cause burnout. <laughs> how do I keep going? A lot of meditation, a lot of quietness. Um, sometimes a text to good friends like Eddie, <laughs> <laughs> like in all seriousness, um, to just say, I'm making space for you and I hear you. And sometimes Hashem will have a friend send me a text out of nowhere. Seriously, keep going. Self-care though, and being centered in those alone spaces of regrouping, those are the best things to keep going. Mm. Um, being able to pivot, being able to just be okay with you being by yourself, but always remembering that you're not by yourself, that Hashem never places you in an area that he or Hashem doesn't know that you can't do or overcome. Oof, thank you so much. Thank you so That's much. That's the faith. That's yeah. the faith part. It's hard sometimes, but those are those things that keep me going. Thank you, Dee. I appreciate it. Okay, friends, um, that is the conclusion of our event. We are so excited that you were able to join us today. Um, and in the spirit of Juneteenth, I, I really um, hope that everybody can, one, check out the amazing work of Mosaic Visions, two, look inward and address some of your own implicit biases, 
And three, work on your own mental health so that you're able to continue to advocacy work. And remember, we're not all free until everyone is. Amen. Perfect. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Bye.